times like these that I regret having the sermon scheduled after the music. You guys did a great job. Thank you. We, uh, we as a people, strive to live in light of that truth here at Desert Springs. Now, for me, that can be difficult to do sometimes. Uh, it can be difficult to see that resurrection power all the time. And so my, my hope right now is just to guide us through a reflection, a four-part reflection on what it means that Jesus is risen, risen indeed. As we sang a moment ago, there ain't no grave that can hold his body down. There is no power in the universe that is more powerful than Jesus. And so it is with great delight and joy that we see Jesus using his power to draw us to himself. And so as we think on these four things, my encouragement to you would be this, that you would listen for Jesus even in this time together. So the first thing just to consider is this, that when we talk about the grave, when we sing there ain't no grave, when we speak about the death of Jesus, we are talking about an actual empty tomb, like an actual, actual empty tomb. Everyone say actual. actual. It's an actual, actual empty tomb. So the reason I say that is we can sometimes uh, celebrate Easter and we, we can kind of uh, give into this idea that that, you know, Easter's about bunnies and, and about love and about, um, you know, what else would... Candy. candy, of course, thank you, candy, things of this nature and pastel colors, evidently. And, and we, we, can, we can say things like, or we can, we can kind of fall into the idea that, that really Easter is just a celebration of life. And it really is, but it's centered on, it's founded on, the foundation of Easter is a historical-like thing that actually happened. Jesus actually came out of the grave. He actually died and he actually rose. And our entire faith is built upon that one historical fact. Now, here's the deal. I want to teach everyone a theological word. I learned this in seminary. Are you guys ready? You might want to write this down. You got a pen and paper and everything? Okay. The theological term is stupid. <laughs> Did you guys learn that in your school? I thought it was just mine. Okay. So uh, you guys heard the word stupid before? Actually, why don't we say this theological term together? Uh, one, two, three, stupid. Right, okay, so here's the deal. Uh, I'm going to read a portion of scripture that's going to tell us, basically, uh, that, that, that the following Jesus is built upon the foundation of a historic reality, namely that Jesus actually, actually rose from the dead. There was an actual empty tomb. And if that's not true, then we will apply this theological definition to what we're doing right now. Watch. Uh, this is a dude named Paul. He was a pastor. Paul actually uh, uh, it, it was an adult. Uh, he wasn't following Jesus, and then he had this experience where he met Jesus, and he turned from his sin. He turned from, uh, uh, from his sin, and he turned towards Jesus. He began to follow Jesus. And this is what's interesting is Paul actually not only started following after Jesus, he became a pastor. And he was a pastor, uh, kind of moved around a bunch, but he wrote to this church in a place called Corinth, which was part of the Roman Empire at the time. And that's why the book that I'm about to read from is called 1 Corinthians, because it's written to the people in this place called Corinth. And listen to what he says. He, again, we're talking about the foundation of Easter. Check this. He says, now I want to make clear to you, uh, brothers and sisters, the good news I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. Uh, you guys know that what we're talking about right now is the foundation of Easter, right? Have you guys ever heard anything like that before, the foundation of Easter? 
Okay, like in the last three minutes? Yes, okay. So here Paul says, this thing is what you are taking your stand on, right? The whole faith stands on this one truth. Check this. And by which you are being saved, if you hold on to the message I proclaim to you, unless you believed in vain. For I passed on to you as most important what I also received, what other people told me, that Jesus Christ died for our sins, according to the scripture, that he was buried, TV time out. Is that good news or bad news? Up until this point in the story, Jesus' death and burial is bad news, right? Right? But Paul here says, Pastor Paul says, but he's saying good news. He's got good news. There's another word for good news. It's called gospel. You guys ever heard of the word gospel before? Okay, it just means good news. So he says this. Uh, 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 check this out. For I passed on to you the most important thing that I also received, stuff other people gave me, that Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the scripture, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scripture. And he didn't just rise from the dead, he says, he appeared to this dude named Cephas, Peter is his other name, then to the rest of the 12 disciples, and then he appeared over to over 500 brothers and sisters at one time, most of whom are still alive, but some have passed away. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, last of all, he appeared to me. Paul is saying, that something actually, actually happened, that there was an actual physical resurrection of Jesus. If the resurrection is not true, there's a theological term for what we're doing right now. Have you guys ever heard of the theological term? What's this, it starts with an S. Um, stu stupid, yeah. If Jesus did not actually rise from the dead, then this is stupid. This is dumb. Now, some of us are saying, well, that might be kind of harsh. This is a biblical thing. Check this out. Pastor Paul straight up says in verse 17, if Jesus Christ has not been raised like actual, actual resurrection, then your faith is worthless and you are still in your sins. Those who have fallen asleep, those who have died in Jesus, they're also dead. They're perished. If we have put our hope in Jesus Christ for this life only, we should be pitied more than anyone. I mean, that's like the gauntlet of gauntlets for a faith, right? I know that there's a lot of different religious texts, but here is the critical thing, that all of Christianity, all of it, all of its components, including worshiping together on Easter Sunday, all of it is built on the historical fact that Jesus rose from the dead. If Jesus did not physically actually really, really, really rise from the dead, then this is stupid. But Jesus did rise. Verse 20, but as it is, I love this, but as it is, <laughs> Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have passed away. One, the resurrection actually happened in space-time history. There is an actual empty tomb. I, actually, we don't know which tomb it is. They might have filled it in later. So I don't know if it's still empty. I don't know. The resurrection, number two, the resurrection shows that Jesus is the full expression of who God is. A lot of people say, I wish God would reveal himself to me. I wish God would show, show himself to me. What is God like? If you want to know what God's like, look at Jesus. If you want to know what God wants to talk about, listen to what Jesus talks about. If you want to know what God wants you to do with your life, listen to what Jesus says to do with your life. If you want to know God, look to Jesus. If you want to see God, look to Jesus. Jesus is God in the flesh. God in Jesus. God 
like, think about how mind-blowing this is. God became one of us to reveal his fullest expression of who he is to us. So we could like see him and know him. He didn't have to do that. But in Jesus, we see the fullest expression of who God is. In Colossians 2, 9, it says that all of the fullness of, of Godness, all of the fullness of deity dwelt in Jesus. If you want to know what God's like, look at Jesus. Three, the resurrection, oh, I love this. This is so good. Okay, here we go. Three, because of the resurrection, I know that to follow after Jesus is not to get on the endless treadmill of moral performance. Here's what I mean. For many people in our community, in fact, many perhaps of us here now, and I know some people teach this. I, I, think, it, I think it's actually really destructive. But we have this idea that, that God is, you know, usually up. God's up in heaven, and he's like sitting there watching us. And as long as we do enough good things, then he'll give us heaven, right? For many of us, and I'll just, you just ask the majority of the people in your neighborhood and say, hey, you know, if, if you were to die tonight, I don't recommend this, by the way. If you were to die tonight, yeah, where are you going with this? If you were to die tonight, would you go to heaven or hell? And unless they're wearing a Metallica t-shirt, most of them would say heaven, right? They say heaven. Why? Because I'm a good person. I'm a good person, so I get to go to heaven when I die is Americanized, individualistic, consumer-based, transactional religion. And it's so devastating because how do you know that you did enough good? Huh? Oh, let me, let me get real personal, all right? I'm gonna come into your living room right now. Check this out. I know that, that, that for many of us, we grow up in, in pretty rough homes. The dysfunction is not just a theory for many of us, it's a direct pain. And so I, 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 I say this simply to point us back to Jesus, but, but I want you just to imagine, some of us lived this, I want you to imagine a child whose parents says to them, if you do good, then I will love you. And so they clean their room feverishly and they pick up after the dog and they put away all the dishes and they're just trying, trying, and trying. And every day they, they check off all the things, all the, good, all the good things that they did that day. And then with their good person report card, they go to their mother or their father and they say, now do you love me? And if that parent reviews the list and say, check, 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 check. Okay, you got a 98%. That's pretty good enough. Okay, now I love you. Is that love? No, that's trash. That's evil, huh? So why would we then think, if, that, if we see that in human parents, that that is trash, that is evil, that is destructive, why do we get in our minds that we're projecting this idea on God? Okay, there's this really cool thing. There's this time where Jesus' disciples go to him and say, Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? And he says, pray like this. Some of you guys have heard this before. He says, address God like this. Our Father. Right? And, and, and in so doing, showing us, I know that many of us had bad dads, broken dads, absent dads, but in God we have a good, good father. And we address him as such to remind ourselves that his love towards us, check this, his love towards us, his love towards you is not based on your moral performance. 
It is based sheerly on his grace. The fact that he loves you comes out of him and what he has done, not what you have done. And so here's the deal. Anyone who wants Jesus gets Jesus. God is not sitting there waiting for you to clean up your act and then you, can get, then you get him. Anyone who wants Jesus gets Jesus. Anyone who turns from their sin and turns towards Jesus, Jesus says, welcome, and you're mine. In fact, one of the working metaphors throughout scripture to talk about how people are in relation to God is this language of adoption. Adoption as sons and daughters of God. Church, Jesus loves you so much. He loves you more than you could ever imagine. And what's more is this. He knows every aspect of your being. There is nothing that you have done nor will do. There's nothing that you've thought or said that surprises him. And even with that deep and profound knowledge of who you are, he delights to call you to himself. And he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, for I will give you rest. You see, following Jesus is not American consumeristic, transactional, individualistic, moral treadmill of trying to earn God's love. It's by his grace that we are saved. Amen. <laughs> Four, the resurrection proved that death is not the end. The resurrection proved that death is not the end. You see, Christians at their best are fools who believe in the power of God to call that which is dead back to life again. And the resurrection proves it. The empty tomb proves it. In those dark spaces of your life, in those places in your life that you have experienced death, where there's decay, where there's brokenness, where there's fracture, because of the resurrection, death does not have the final say in that space, in that place. Do you know that today? You see, one of the reasons why we keep singing these songs week in and week out, one of the reasons why we gather on Sunday is not only to praise God, but also to sing to each other and to remind ourselves that that's right, death does not have a hold on that space in my life. Jesus wants to bring healing, redemption, power. He wants to shower you with his grace, his love, and his mercy. And he says, turn from your sin and turn to me. And he says yes to you today. Would you say yes to him? Now, for many of us, we're hearing these words. We're hearing about the resurrection power. We're hearing about death not being the end. And I'm going to ask the band to come out and to join us and to remind us. And we're going to sing together a prayer. I know it's difficult to believe, especially when death seems to have a stranglehold on us. But because of the resurrection and the power of Jesus, we can find the strength to believe. And so as we sing this prayer, this reminder to each other, would you listen and be attentive to what God is speaking to you now in this moment? And would you respond to him?
believe. We believe and we stand on his word. Do you believe it? Do you believe what God says?
please remain standing as we pray together. Lord, we desire to be a people who live in light of the resurrection. So by the power of your spirit, Lord, we strive to live moment by moment, to exhibit grace and to exhibit love, to rest in your goodness and your grace. In those spaces of death and decay in our life, Lord, would you bring light into that darkness? Would you make a way? You have promised it, you have said it, and so we stand on it, and we believe for it. We ask these things knowing that you love us and that you're powerful to fulfill your promises towards us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 We believe for it. In a moment we're gonna sing one more song, but my question for you is this. What does it look like to live that out for you? In those spaces, in those places of real life, what does it look like to live the resurrection even today? even now in this moment. Perhaps it's a phone call that needs to be made. Perhaps it's a calling that needs to be answered. Perhaps it's a need that needs to be met, or simply a person that needs to be loved. What does it look like for you today, even now, to live the resurrection, to live by the power of the risen Christ? In Romans 8, it says that the same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you and in me. So let us live in light of this truth. And I, I know that for many of us that, that we're going to head out of this place and it's going to be 100 degrees. <laughs> and we'll be, be reminded that death is everywhere. <laughs> and we'll eat our meals and we'll get into our routines, which is great. But sometimes it can be hard to see the way that God has made. And so as we conclude this morning, let's remind ourselves. Charity, you've been doing such a great job leading us today, and the the worship and arts team has done fabulous. Thank you. But I I was just thinking maybe, maybe there might be a song that we could go out on that would remind us of, you know, the, the life of love that God has for us. Do you believe in life after love? No. 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 That's not. That's not doing it for me. Maybe something about like the never-ending love and grace of God, like how he's going to love us always, you know? No, that's, I mean, that's a nice one. I think I've heard that before. Um, it's just not quite hitting the mark, you know? Like, we're going to leave this space, and, and we've heard all about this, this resurrection business. We want to live in light of the resurrection. But sometimes it seems like there's not a way forward. Like, like maybe how God would be like a one who makes a way, like a, like a way maker or something. Way maker. Yeah, 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 I like that. Like, um, but more than that, like, we want to add some more stuff to it to remind ourselves. Like, like, like the, the pastor does not sing. I'm going to be singing right over there, okay? They turn my mic off. Thank you. But maybe something about like how, you know, not only is he a way maker, but like he's a miracle worker. You know, like something like that. Miracle worker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like how, you know, he's made all these promises towards us and maybe we can remind ourselves that he, he, he will like keep them. Promise keep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But even more than that, like there's this beautiful image of like how, you know, everything seems to be dark around us, but he brings light into that space. Light in the darkness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know any songs like that? No, we don't know that. Oh, weird. <laughs> Maybe the band could like on the fly whip up something for us. Let's see what happens. Mm -hmm. 